Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Scions of the Southland Recap Show. As always, my name is Akshay Schwarin, and joining me is a man who has done a lot of research on cross-country travel recently, Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for asking. I, uh, I uh, did do some cross-country travel yesterday, so I am sequestered in my bedroom in Chicago, in a Cubs uh-huh. shirt, for those who are concerned. But, you know. Ah, uh, so you haven't been brainwashed yet. I have not, um, as, as much as people have tried. But here we are. Ah, uh, yes. But, well, you know, the attempts were with Atlanta sports. And those are uh, not particularly persuasive. Uh, if, you got if, me if, in an Atlanta United uh, jersey, so that's something, I guess. But uh, other than that, no, sir. Uh, some people don't count soccer anyway. We we do on this podcast. We do count soccer. At least, you know, one half of the podcast does. There you go. There you go. Own it. Own it. You're half the podcast. A full half. Let's go. Uh, would you say it's a shutdown full half? Um, no, it was a bad, I bad pun. We are equal partners. You know? We, we cut we, out we the are, two guys. We are moving past... <laughs> We are moving past the really ridiculous pun, um, and I don't know. We have a, actually a good bit to talk about tonight uh, as we record this on Sunday night. Um, a lot of coaching news around the CFB verse. Uh, a lot of Georgia Tech news. Um, women's basketball uh, played a couple games this week. Men's basketball was up and at them, and they're back in action. Uh, later this coming week Uh, and then we also had a a football game and then some assorted news items there so if I can find my old clock app over here let's put uh, our usual or now usual 35 minutes on the clock and get rolling Uh, you ready to go yes sir all right so three two one Let's get started. Women's basketball at Georgia Tech is now 4-1, and 2-0 and oh in the ACC. They, uh, they took it to Notre Dame today uh, in that game that was at 2 p.m. Uh, and then they, I don't remember a lot of the BC game, but they, uh, they look pretty good in both of those early conference matchups. Um, I would agree. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the Boston College game. It was uh, square in the middle of some finals week fun for me, but Ooh, I did watch a fake fan. Yeah. Well, um, you know, such is life. Um, but I did watch a Notre Dame game and uh, a bit, a, a big thing I think we've talked about for tech a couple times this season already, even, but in the past has been slow starts and they sure didn't do that against Notre Dame. They were out of the gates on fire in the first and the second halves. And uh, in the first, they kind of let Notre Dame back in the game, but in the second, it was, it was pretty much all Georgia Tech, and they got their uh, first win against the Fighting Irish, well, uh, ever. So that, that's always a fun, a fun thing to get. Yeah, I mean, going back through our, through our messages here, and I think there was a bit of consternation during the middle part of that first half when Notre Dame came out of one of the timeouts and sort of locked down on defense. Um, yep. Both Nerea Hermosa uh, and Laura Kubai had a lot of trouble breaking out of the a baseline trap that Notre Dame had set up with the, uh, I think it was a 
3-2 zone, 2-3 zone. I'm probably using the wrong term. Um, but they, they were able to get really effective double teams in the post um, and just neutralize uh, Tech's bigs. But then you I'm, saw Tech get hot from the perimeter and sort of keep that up and force Notre Dame to spread out uh, as the game progressed. Yeah, and on the defensive side, too, they also got uh, Hermosa and Kubai in some pretty big foul trouble uh, to the point where they are playing with four fouls for most of the fourth quarter, if not all of it. Um, so, But Tech was able to make those adjustments after a while. Um, one of their big go-tos is that back door down the baseline, uh, and then just the drive to the paint wasn't really there. But the threes kept them in the game. I believe they made 10 in each of the games, so I'm sure they're – their average was six per game over four games. So now they're at 34 over five. So, you know, bumping up your your season average by a full three-pointer in a single game is uh, a testament to how much they got out of that. And then in the second, they, they saw a lot more success from driving into the uh, driving into the basket and kind of getting that, that work in the paint. So all in all, I'd say a pretty... You know they they used the phases of the game when they could and and in the in the past we haven't really seen them be able to rely on the three like they did today. Sarah Bates looked very good from the outside, loaded my lot in, um, and then a couple of the freshmen, Ilya Love and uh, Loyal McQueen, looking fairly good. Um, and they aren't even the best two freshmen. You know we haven't seen uh, um, Ayana Boyd yet, and she's a top uh, top twenty five, top thirty uh, recruit in the whole country, five star. So. Georgia Tech's got Georgia Tech's got some pieces, maybe not to win the conference, but definitely to make some noise. Yeah, I mean, uh, last season they finished, I want to say seventh, um, and we're looking at a tournament bid. We've been talking about how last season they were sort of like they were deprived of a tournament, but that was a tournament team, um, and despite some early struggles this season, I, I, notably that that Athens game and then parts of that Tulane game. Um, where they did look out of sorts and sort of, well, they they lost to Athens and then they sort of let Tulane hang around a good bit. They they seem to clean it up, especially in conference play. And obviously, this season is going to be a lot more conference play than than out of conference. So if they can keep that performance up during the course of the season, I think it's going to be really nice and tidy. Yeah, um, helps to helps to already have two conference wins banked and. If you think about it like this, Georgia Tech hasn't lost a game in regulation yet. And, and the team they lost to is pretty good. They're, they're playing a pretty strong schedule. Their RPI looks good. I believe their strength of schedule, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is third in the country. I think I'm going to take your word for it because I don't have that in front of me. Um, but yeah, no, RPI very strong as well. So there's, you know, you just got to execute and you're going to run into to the Louisville's and the NC States of the world. Louisville in uh, before last season took two of our uh, top three scorers uh, during the hubbub after uh, Collier got the ax. Not um, Collier, Joseph. Uh, Joseph. Joseph. Wow. That's bad. Big. I, that's, I, that's. Woo. woo. Um, I guess Joseph was that far out of my mind, but um, sorry, GT volleyball. We love you. Um, and your coach is amazing. Um, but um, but no, in the hubbub after after all the consternation, I guess uh, when Fortner was brought on, and, and nothing against Fortner here either. Um, it was just a weird situation. We talked it, about it, it then. I, it was just I, like the weirdest ending to a season that we had seen across 
Well, I, well, I think in our sporting history, right? Until until the wheels fell off the bus, that was a tournament team too. And, and I, I'm going to speak from full honesty and full heart. I don't think I'll ever know exactly what happened there. I don't. None of us will. I, I don't think we need to. Like like you know, it's it's nothing against Fortner uh, for for losing the two Elizabeths to Louisville. But I'll put it like this: they're not even the most important players on that team. You know, they have depth. They have they have some crazy. Uh, some crazy talent up there in Louisville. And at the same time, you see uh, NC State at number four, having already knocked off number one, South Carolina. The top of the conference, N- Notre Dame used to be up there. That's why we'd never beat them before. Um, except last year, they weren't that good. So that was a little weird that we didn't take one. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. No, the top of the conference is is very, very good. But, you know, this, this middle ground that Tech has kind of staked itself to, uh, still without... Uh, Boyd due to the knee injury, still without Fletcher due to uh, we don't really know to be honest. And but but Tech can make some noise in the middle. We get we get Clemson, we get the Wake Forest of the world, the Miamis. The I mean, Florida State's a solid team. Florida State's a pretty contemporary team. If you can get your wins there, this this team has another path to a winning record in the conference. And I think that puts us in a good line for a tournament bid. We have two wins banked already. If if they can keep piling those on then i don't not that i don't see any way we can't because that's talking too big too soon i'm gonna knock on some wood hopefully you heard that um but yeah no i i think there's no reason that this georgia tech team couldn't be a top three or top four team in the conference speaking of another team uh that could be top three or top four in the conference no i can't say that with a straight face um men's basketball beat Nebraska in the ACC Big Ten Challenge by a considerable margin that I don't have in front of me because I'm not a good podcaster? Please explain. Please explain. Uh, Well, I'm going to be full honest. I watched this with the game on mute. Um, So a lot of the things were perhaps more baffling to me, not having the benefit of of sound um, and explanation and good closed captions. But uh, such is life. So I, I really feel like I got a whole new level of frustration, but also appreciation for the game. Because when stuffed worked, worked real well. We had a couple, a string in the second half where Jose Alvarado did the thing we've come to love him for, where he put the team on the back. He got real cocky. He made like three threes and a distance two from, you know, the elbow. And look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was that sequence sort of like in the middle part of that second half, right? Where, yeah. he, where, like you said, he puts the team on his back. But he, I, I think the thing with him is he probably, I, I have like a distinct feeling of him trying that in a game earlier this season, and he was yeah. just ice cold. Yep. So it's, it's one of those things that works really well for him when he's shooting well on the night, and, and especially versus Nebraska, who is really content to sort of shoot themselves in the foot for, for a lot of the night. But, when it when it doesn't work for him, or when he's not shooting well in the night, that that strategy just kind of falls apart. Yeah, and I think Devoe kind of had. I, I think Devoe and Alvarado kind of got chippy about it um, at the end of one of the losses, either Mercer or Georgia State. Which Mercer, their RPI is very very good right now. So you know, hopefully that stays up there, makes that loss look a little better than we kind of envisioned. But um, no, they they were kind of drawn at it because Mike Devoe. He's trying to be not trying to be the hero that comes off as bad, but that's kind of what they're trying to do. You know, they're they're very, very talented. Uh, 
see themselves as leaders. And when it works, especially for Jose, I think the the Louisville game was a great example of that last year where, and I think NC State, he had a little bit of that too at the home game. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where, you know, he got good, he got hot, he was feeling it. And, you know, the the 10 steals, the tongue wag, whatever whatever you want to put on Jose. Even the step over uh, years back, that was that was a fantastic, uh, fantastic Georgia Tech game. But um, allowing myself to ramble, it's it's good to see more of the team waking up. Whether that's Jose, whether that's somebody else, I think Kyle Sturdivant, uh, at least based on what I could see looking up, and you know, it, it, with it on mute, obviously not hearing all the details of what into what went into what, but um, Sturdivant looked pretty solid, and we cannot. Uh, escape talking about Moses Wright. Moses Wright deserves every good thing because um, he has he is the epitome of the passenger project. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think it. I I think he'd be the crown jewel of it so far, just in terms of development, because um, he has just improved his game so much, and and you saw it. You've seen it in the last two games where he has taken over at times. And he's been the team's leading scorer. He was the leading scorer in the, in the Kentucky game. Um, he had 21 points, we, we, like we talked about last week. Like, he's put together some really impressive performances. Um, and if he can uh, be as consistent, uh, he can continue those performances. And Alvarado and DeVoe can start getting hot. I think things are looking up. But I, I think my general opinion on this team, and I have it written in our shot sheet here, I don't get this team. It hurts my brain. It hurts yeah. my brain a lot. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. The um, it's it's gonna take some time, you know. That you can't really shake Georgia State or Mercer all that fast. Nebraska, let's be real, not that good of a team. Not nearly the top of the Big Ten. Um, we could have run into anyone from Indiana to Iowa to Illinois to. Ohio State to Rutgers, even all of them probably would have made it more of a game uh, than Nebraska. And Nebraska did make it a game. Um, also, before we move on, I do want to mention Josh Passner's giant COVID pinata, which. Oh, that got on SVP uh, later that night. That was. It's weird to see Georgia Tech for something good on Sports Center. I will say that. You're really the you're you're really in the self depreciation mode tonight. I watched the Falcons today. All right, it's it's a mood. That is that is very fair. Um, but yeah, no, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. I I'm not sold yet on this team. I I think I came in with expectations, and then those were smushed. And now you know they they beat a ranked Kentucky team. Well a one and four team now, but, um, a Kentucky, Ooh. you know, less, um, a historically pretty frequently played rival. Who's who we've had trouble with. So I'll take it. First um, when, uh, by a John Calipari assistant. Yeah. Um, big, big firsts, uh, for both basketball programs, uh, in terms of milestone wins, but, um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll see with Florida state. We cannot lose to FAMU or Delaware state period. We cannot. I, I have no comment. We need to. We should. We should move on before I say something dumb. You watch any other ACC football this weekend? 
Uh, I watched a couple minutes of Miami and North Carolina, laughed my head off, and then, uh, you know, I got to go on with my day. Yeah, I, uh, I, I caught a little bit of that. I caught a little bit of, I think, one other game, but it was not ACC-related. So we are uh, going to skip the recap for this week because I don't think we, we're going to have anything interesting to say. So let's jump right into the pit game. Um, this was a 20 to 34 <laughs> Georgia Tech loss. Where do you want to start with this? We got just about 20 minutes left on the clock. I am saving my rant for the end about officiating. Um, I I have some very, very choice things to say about that. Um, I guess we can start with offense. Do it, do it like we usually do. <laughs> All right, let's let's go through the shot sheet. So, um, I think this was an let's yeah, let's talk about the offense. This was a one where it was just weird. It was definitely a down day for the offense, especially on the ground, because you know Georgia Tech tried to run the ball on a top 10 rush defense and it went just about as well as you'd imagine. Uh, I have the advanced score box score pulled up here and uh, tech was stuffed on uh, 29% of its run plays. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not great. Um, not great at all. Uh, overall success rate for the day was 31%. That's uh, saying, you know, tech stayed on schedule air quotes here because podcasting is visual medium um 31% of the time uh which is very significantly under the national average of uh 42% um Sims had to scramble for his life a good bit in this game um we we saw a, another game where not having Gibbs as a safety valve um hurt uh really the tight end uh, or Georgia Tech's tight end should be uh, the replacement there, um, and and we saw it a couple times. We saw it on that uh, Dylan Devaney touchdown um, in the attempted comeback late in the game, um, but for the for the vast majority of the game, um, that was just not not there for them. Uh, you got any offensive thoughts here? Um, I think you could tell how much uh, Sims and Gibbs play off each other. The run game mm-hmm. still looked good. Um, Malachi had a, a one, one big whiff drop. That was, that was pretty brutal. Um, got to get your hands on that. And, uh, I had a couple comments related to repping and how that would have changed our offense. We'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. Yeah. One, one good thing, uh, that I will note about the offense of this game. Um, and I, I also put it on Twitter right after, or, or during the comeback. Um, Sims has been incredibly mature. Uh, since the restart, since the COVID break, uh, in second halves of his games. Um, you see him become a lot more composed, um, th- stays in the pocket a bit longer, steps up in the pocket, um, and makes some really, really good throws at really, really good times. I don't know if that's a symptom of his team being down uh, by a significant margin in some cases to where the pass rush relaxes a bit, or if it's uh, his composure. But I choose to believe that it's his composure, and I, for one, am impressed. Yeah, I will uh, I will 
second on that. I like the composure. He looked good in the second half. So, All right, let's uh, switch over to the defense, shall we? Um, honestly, my shot sheet here is the exact same as last week. So uh, when they had got pressure, things were good, uh, but they did not get pressure all that often. Um, surprisingly, the havoc rate was actually pretty good. Um, they got 23%. Uh, they had a havoc plays on 23% of the defensive snaps, uh, but notably only 9% uh, of Tech's havoc plays or 9% of defensive snaps, which were Havoc plays, were from the secondary. That doesn't make any sense. Take my word for it. Um, I I I sort of uh, point at the secondary specifically because this was not a good secondary game. Uh, And I think it was best encapsulated uh, by a pick that was fumbled back to Pittsburgh. (laughs) That was the dumbest play I've seen all season. Like, just, like, nonsensical. Not like you're dumb. Well, it was kind of dumb, but I don't like to insult players. But, like, it was just, like, a very Georgia Tech experience, you know? And someone is going to come back in, in the comments and note that the person that picked up pass off was Quez Jackson, who I believe is a linebacker. Um, but he was in coverage, so we're going to count it as a secondary thing because the if you look at the sum total of the game from from uh, from a secondary perspective Pickett wasn't super great but he was able to hit a lot of deep throws um and and really take advantage of a couple coverage busts just like chase bryce did and just like bailey hockman did in the past couple weeks uh and yep it's it's one of those recurring themes that we've talked about all season it's the defense has had some significant regression, especially in a unit that we expected to be one of the best on the team in the secondary. Uh, and it's disheartening to see, to put it mildly. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Okay, so I think this is around the spot uh, because special teams was okay. I mean, Presley Harvin was back and was electric, so that's sort of all we have to say there. I think this is the spot where we uh, talk about the zebras, if you will. Mr. Grant. Hold on. First, one thing. Gavin Stewart, good job. You get a gold star. You didn't miss anything. We, we, we hated on that enough at the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm going to call we out We have to give credit where credit is due. True. I, I will give, I, I will give my, my props to – to Gavin Stewart, and I, I think Austin Kent has also done a pretty good job on, uh, you know, kickoffs and putting those in the touchback zone. Um, his coverage team leaves a bit to be desired, but he's doing – he's got the leg for it. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Zebras. Okay. I am shocked and appalled, but sadly not surprised at how bad the ref was. <laughs> there's, there's never – been a game where I feel like it's badly officiated, but Georgia Tech isn't getting the shaft. Um, and not that I want there to be. That's not how football works. That's not how you get good wins. That's not satisfying. I mean, I'd take it at this point, but the DPIs on 50-50 balls where our players turn their head and, and they, you know, relatively by the book, no worse mm-hmm. than the other being called aggressively 
for one team and not the other, especially on, on that, that's not a false start. You know, that is a significant amount of yardage. It's the first down. It's, it's all that it's, um, it's, thankfully it's not a spot foul. That yeah. would be worse, but yeah. it's just 15 yards, but, but your point is still valid. Yes. And, um, there was, there was the late hit at the, on like the second play of the game or the roughing passer on the second play of the game. And then the late hit where he like grazed his shoulder barely or something. As, and, oh, uh, well, uh, as Pickett was still in bounds, by the yeah. way, that, the yeah. just, to, just for our listeners, the, the, the late hit that Jake is describing is towards the end of the fourth quarter, middle of the fourth quarter, I believe. Um, Wanya Thomas, uh, guides Kenny Pickett out of bounds uh, as Pickett has to scramble out of the pocket. Um, and that was flagged for a late hit on Wanye. And it was uh, – the crowd did not uh, take to that particularly lightly. No. Uh, for, for there only being 11,000 people there, it was – Oh, you could hear it. It was loud. Um, you could hear it real good. I I don't blame them. I I was part of the loud, even though you know not not really supposed to do that when you're in a rec club. But you know I was oh my, rules can't can't stop me. Sorry. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? If uh, and, and and there was, you know, a couple times where hey maybe maybe we got a call. I thought uh, there'd be offsetting penalties uh, along the pit sideline when when they called the personal foul. Luckily, there wasn't, and you know that's that's one I guess tick mark back in our column. But in general, the biggest momentum, the 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 ones that extended drives, burned time off the clock, changed how the game played at a fundamental level. Uh, none of that, none of that went Tech's way, um, and and it was best exemplified in the end zone. Uh, blatant pass interference right in front of the student section. Um, and, oh, it was, no, it was the exact same thing that they've been calling all night against yeah. Tech. And, and it was just, it was not, not fun. <laughs> I said this last week. I hate blaming things on the refs, complaining about the refs, and they're making me do it for the second week in a row, making me look like a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's frustrating, right? I, I think this is something that we talked about uh, before we started recording uh regarding the Florida LSU game where the defensive lineman threw a shoe, uh, which is its own uh, bundle of stupid, by the way. Um, and we're not going to get into that. But you, in Florida's case, it was you are not supposed to be in a situation where a player doing something dumb like that costs you the game. Especially in their case, it was a 23 point. They were a 23 point favorite. You can make the somewhat of a reverse argument in Georgia Tech's case where these play these really poorly called penalties were might have jobbed Tech out of out of points. If not, like I'm not gonna go so far as to say oh, win. Oh, but they of, literally did that. They literally did that. The offensive oh, they, <laughs> this is a good point. Oh my goodness, how have we not even mentioned that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me color in the color in the lines here so this was on tech's first touchdown uh i believe i have the box nah. score uh yeah. let me pull that up um this second. was on tech's second touchdown uh where uh they executed effectively the philly special 
PJ Harris uh, hit Sims for the two-point conversion. Um, but for the first time in uh, American football history, a ref has called uh, OPI on a pick play. Um, it's frustrating. I mean, I think even the broadcast was a little confused as to why it was called OPI. Um, it did not look like OPI to me. Obviously, I'm, I'm a little biased, but even, you know, if I try to put my bias aside, no grabbing. It was just sort of Jalen Camp was standing there, like literally setting a pick and not grabbing the other, uh, grabbing the defender. And it was still called. And that job tech got it two points because they certainly did not convert when it was pushed back 15 yards. And they, they got close. They definitely made it a decent way down the field probably oh yeah they were they were like two or three yards short on the second attempt don't get me wrong but it would have been nice to have those two points i don't know yeah um it would have been nice to have them uh the 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 plays that just extended that early fourth quarter drive and killed off four more minutes o'clock that's when that's when i knew things were gonna look tough um but you know i i've never had more respect for jeff collins than him getting candid on the sideline. I, I respect that. I've had I've had my thoughts on him. I don't always agree with everything he says or does. There's a lot that I do like. There's a lot that he says and has done that I think is very good for the program. Um, but that is probably the most, I guess, relatable. Or I don't know if relatable is the right way to to say that candid but. is I think the right word and it's it's how someone in the writer's room put it too where it's like for all of the branding and uh, you know effort and positivity and aggressiveness that the shtick right that we, that we all talk about for all yep. that shtick this was sort of a moment where the, where they he broke through the shtick and he yep. was legitimately angry and and you could see it, and uh, and this sort of flows into the the you know the whole controversy about the the handshake, yeah, which is a dumb controversy because if you if you say if you tell me that you would have looked Pat Narduzzi in the eye and sh- shaken his hand calmly uh, and said good game after getting jobbed by the referees for three hours, including maybe five minutes prior. Um, on a on a DPI no call in the end zone that should have been a touchdown. Um, you would have you might be interviewing for the Vatican soon. Um, it's <laughs> just the and and the the amount of bad faith arguments and just like holier than thou stuff I've seen on social media um, about that is just ridiculous. You. I can guarantee that if if you are just as furious, you would not be. You would have not done this like weird class thing that and, and shaken his hand fairly. Ridiculous. Yeah. I I don't think anybody can blame Jeff for. Uh, here's here's the possibilities. One, he's explicitly mad at Pat Narduzzi and trying to blow him off. You don't do that on national television, you settle it like a man, and you don't half-ass that. Sorry, swear, whatever. It's fine. Well, you know, this is a, this is a family podcast. It's a PG-13 podcast. Fair enough. Um, the, you, if, if you're legitimately mad at him, you're not going to 
you're going to commit to the bit, I guess. Like that wasn't a, it didn't strike me as a Narduzzi, I'm blowing you specifically off. Because like, yes, Pat Narduzzi is a crotchety goon and his players were drawing at our stands almost the whole game. And it was pretty obvious. Um, But Jeff doesn't do that. Jeff isn't talking to Pat during the game. Nothing his player, like maybe every once in a while, a player interacts with our sideline or or says something on the field. That's not something that Jeff is going to do in a stadium with 11,000 plus people and the whole world on a Thursday night. Well, except for those who don't get St. Clair. So 10% of the world. I have have thoughts on that, but we'll, we'll get there. It's on Marquee Network. Um, anyways, um, I was in the middle of a train of thought. The other thought, get his players away from the pit players, watching his guys. What does Jeff preach? Family, watching out for each other. That is a perfectly logical explanation for me, but also, I don't think it deserves an explanation. Straight no up. No is a complete sentence. And no, if... Like, it's just... Yeah. The, I, I think we're saying the same thing. It's like, it's just... Super frustrating that this has been made out and overanalyzed in the media for for something it's not. And, and, and I do have to, you know, just to just to be even keeled. There were issues earlier in the game where Tech was handed unsportsmanlike conduct penalties for drawing with pit players. Those obviously weren't reciprocated. The refs did not issue, you know, taunting penalties to pit players. Um, but the, it obviously like. There, the way that this game was officiated, it seemed very likely that there was going to be some sort of incident towards the end of the game. Yep, it very much so seemed like with like you know ten to seven minutes left in that fourth quarter, like there was going to be an all-out fight right after that late hit, and yep, uh, the, the fake late hit. And look, I don't care. I think it's a dumb controversy. I'm only commenting on it because I think it's it's absolutely stupid how overanalyzed this has become in by ESPN to a certain extent and by just everyone wanting to say like, oh, if if an ex coach did this, he you would be completely irate. No, I wouldn't. I saw Jim, I've seen Jim Harbaugh do that at, at versus Ohio State, and I completely understand. Well, well, the most celebrated gif in our fan base in the last five years is Paul Johnson doing his tongue wag after FSU. You can't tell me that sportsman. They didn't shake hands. There's no way no, they shook they hands after that game. <laughs> no, they didn't. And, and Akshay, there's one silver lining to come out of this, I think, in particular. You want to know what it is? Sure. I think it is not a stretch to say that there is now at least some inkling of rivalry in this series. And that's something that Georgia Tech needs for its long-term, I guess, lack of a better term, interest in the ACC Coastal. Because as much as we want there to be pods, that doesn't look like it's happening. They ain't coming until Notre Dame does. (laughs) Exactly. Plus a 16th team. Hey, call Cincinnati. They look pretty good. And uh, they already got a rivalry trophy with uh, Louisville. Anyways, um, also screw UCF. Go away. Um, Wow, that was a lot in one sentence. Anyways, what I was Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. We play them every year. We see them in basketball and baseball and women's basketball. And they're really good in volleyball. They're pretty smart. They got a ridiculous tower. Ours is much cooler. It's made with red bricks. Um, 
There's it's called the cathedral. That's weird. But no, this is this is my pitch for this and whatever ancient Heismany weirdness. You know that. I mean, we could we we could honestly we could probably invent a trophy for this game that would Panther make Jackie game and invent just as liable of or just as uh, reasonable of a story as the Gray Devils. This is a project for for not during this podcast. Um, if any if any readers have ideas, DM us. Tweet us, Jake Grant, Akshay Ishwar on FT, Fabricate the Retro Shirts on Twitter. Um, oh, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's that's Grant. Lots of stuff that we're saving until until next week. We're about oh, to go oh, into stoppage time here. Uh, I know how much you love the soccer metaphors, but just a quick note since uh, after the pick game, uh, it came down from... Uh, Georgia Tech that they would not be playing the Miami game this coming weekend uh, because, well, Tech would just not have the players. Uh, Sims did get injured at the end uh, of the pit game um, and had to come out. Uh, Jordan Yates played most of the last series. Uh, and, I mean, Tech was already pretty depleted on uh, most positions. James is already a Georgia Southern Eagle, so uh, you can't call him up either. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and um, basically the, the story goes they would have only had one available quarterback um, and, you know, losses across the rest of the team. I mean, the defense was already depleted. The defense had a lot of injuries in well, this game too. Actually, um, you, know, you know what that would have meant, though, at quarterback? It's Tobias time. Ugh. <laughs> I missed those games. <laughs> Do you? Beautiful. A nice okay, I'll give you that one. What? <laughs> he graduated. He graduated. You got to give him at least that that airtime, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, no. In summary, James Graham to Georgia Southern. No quarterbacks left. Defense full of injuries. Pitt is a rival now. You can at me on any of those, and we can uh, we can talk more. But that's what we Hendricks yeah. are dumb. Let's add that there. Uh, also, class in college athletics doesn't exist. Sorry. It's a myth. It's modern blood sport. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's wrap up here. Uh, like we said, no Miami game this week. Uh, I'm not super bothered, honestly. Even got, if it – like cancellation, no cancellation, not super bothered. You got four nights of uh, college basketball instead. That's pretty darn good for a pandemic. And a lot of <laughs> soccer. A lot of soccer. I mean, I was going straight up for Georgia Tech college basketball, but I, I'm pretty sure there's there's sports every night of the week too. So you got that. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have bowl season coming up uh, too. So, I mean, Which, pandemic sports seasons get starting to get a little wild, um, especially now that we have uh, no restrictions on who's eligible for the postseason. Uh, so, uh, of course, ESPN has projected Tech to the Gasparilla Bowl versus either Liberty or South Carolina. So what I'm hearing is I should go and pack up my car to drive to Tampa because that's no. safe. No, mm-hmm. no, not again. No. Oh, the, oh gosh, that's in Raymond James, isn't it? Yes. Oh Lord. Uh, no, we're not. No, we're not even entertaining this. We're uh, never look, going back there. Can we never go back there? <laughs> maybe. Uh, look, I would not 
be super high on Tech getting bull bid. Uh, however, there is always a chance. Tech did say that they would consider it if invited. Um, and the ACC is currently running out of traditionally bull eligible teams. Um, so we will sort of evaluate that as it comes. Uh, just some quick notes on how the season ended up. Uh, Tech finished. Uh, what is this number that I have in front of me? Uh, they finished three and seven. Um, Tech before the season, we projected Tech to have four, just about four expected wins. They had three actual wins along with one game canceled. Uh, and really the way that it broke down, um, if you look at second order wins, so that's wins based on win post game win probability. Uh, they had about four and a half. So they, they underperformed their projections uh, here. If you look at the, the raw data, uh, they finished 11th in the ACC. Uh, and just to go over the final SP plus numbers, uh, 69th overall, uh, 68th overall offense, 62nd ranked defense, and 115th special teams. So, Jake, in a couple sentences, what were your thoughts on this season? Because we'll definitely talk about it at length next week, but I just want to get a quick overview. Clemson was in the deer. That was horrific and ugly and should never happen again. Yep. Um, Jeff Sims, Jameer Gibbs. They're going to they're gonna be good parts of this offense for a long time, and the running back room looks really great. Um, not sure how our most uh, experienced defensive unit backslid quite as bad as they did, but uh, I'd like to see some improvement there. Uh, in general, I, I think these three wins are, I don't want to say more valid than last year's because that sounds bad, but like I, I was confident in the, like, the Duke win we played well. FSU, they fought back. Yes, FSU is terrible. Don't at me on that. But we um, didn't know that they were this bad I, I don't at know. the time. True. And we made kicks in that game. Wow. Um, no, we missed starting a, a true freshman. We missed a couple. And now that- yeah, we did. We did. Um, I, we were, we should have been in the Syracuse game. We were in NC State till the end. We were in Pittsburgh to the end. We even gave Notre Dame. A, a couple quarters of good football, you know. Boston College, I, we were in that one early too. I mean, it was a couple bad turnovers, you know, a couple suspect calls in that one too. But I think well, you know, one of the it, things I have on the shot sheet is what constitutes progress. And I mean, by and large, if you like, let's take it purely by the numbers. Tech last season was around 90th they finished 90th in sp plus they're 69th that they are they went from bad to solidly mediocre and as painful as it was at points this season it that's progress yeah um i i think the clemson game next year will be a good measuring stick you know like if we turn in another ethereally bad dumpster fire, then yeah, there might be some talking that needs to happen. But listen, Jeff Sims, Jameer Gibbs, even Jordan Williams, kickers, they didn't get a shred of the offseason. They're used to, and we're relying on freshmen. You know, that's that's a big deal. We're, we're These players are playing, and granted, all players on both teams, 
that in, in every, any given week are dealing with the COVID stuff. But at Georgia Tech, like that, props to them for for pulling it out. There's there's a lot of of stress and and commitment and and all sorts of regulations in the best of times when you're a student athlete. And to add the the somewhat demoralizing effect of being a Georgia Tech student without being able to go to class and be with people. And I mean, that, that was, that was my life this semester. I can't imagine it was easier for somebody having to be up early every morning and still practice, but then going back to your dorm and, and doing nothing or relatively nothing, you know, like there, I mean, to a certain extent it's, it's worse for them, right? Because uh, they're eating meals alone. They are practicing. I mean, they're practicing together, but they, they have to do even more, to uh to keep from spreading the virus um just yeah, because I, of i can the, still uh, play tennis with a couple friends and not have anybody turn a blind eye but if somebody like that uh who's a varsity athlete wants to go you know play some hoops i mean they can't go to the crc to do that if they want to you know go out to the sack fields and play some soccer what, whatever you want to do in your free time uh nope even the socially distanced or relatively socially distanced stuff like tennis or, or like I said, soccer or, or, or something like that. It's uh, major props to them, especially, you know, there, there's, it, it's not easy to be a tech student. It's not easy to be a tech student and an athlete. It's not easy to be a tech student and under all of this. So, so much pressure that like, to an extent you and I can relate. We're, we're Georgia tech guys. I'm a Georgia tech student in a pandemic, but like, I can't, I was going to swim practice once a week, twice a week after the semester got hard, you know, that they don't have that choice. And I think with how young our team was with how much expectation, how much regulation, not that three wins was the best they could do. Cause you know, like I said, uh, Syracuse, Boston college, uh, even UCF, um, NC state and Pitt were all, well, we're all fiery games. We're all games that we were at least relatively in. And that felt that felt like an improvement even if even if it didn't really shake out to to more wins in the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh I definitely agree. We are approaching the final whistle. Mr. Grant, I hear you have something uh to close us out with. Yeah. Um Kind of going off my little speech I just gave, um, this now more than ever uh, is, you know, it's graduation season. It's a time to celebrate accomplishments. It's time to to shout out the 35 Georgia Tech student-athletes who got out, uh, including one buzz, I believe. I saw that on social. Um, so, so congrats to them. Uh, again, just trying to rapid-fire some of the memories of, you know, players that have brought um, – we had uh, the spring grads walk. I won't talk much about them, but from the fall grads, it was Tobias Oliver. Um, I think we'll all remember the 2018 Louisville and Virginia Tech games for a very long time. Um, those were, I said this in, in writing, but the, the Virginia Tech 2018 game, I think was the last true triple option Paul Johnson glory Special. game. Um, that was that was run him into the ground. That was electric i think it was like a two and a half hour game <laughs> um, but went uh, in and just melted fuente's uh time in virginia uh to a nice little puddle um, yeah although he is technically still on staff 
got BVG fired, right? That was fun. Um, uh, BVG got hired like immediately after that, but that's not working out so well for him. Continue. Yeah. Um, other other highlights uh, from women's tennis. We had uh, Nadia Gizdova graduate. That uh, Georgia Tech 2018 women's tennis team is the best team we've had on campus uh, in any sport, except maybe whatever golf could have done last year. Um, since uh, since I've been a student, probably since you've been a student too. Uh, yes, since I've been four, a student. Let me tell they, you, they made a great run. Um, knocked off some great teams both at home um, and on the road. Didn't get the conference title, but the ACC is really good at tennis. So it, you know, it it it, it kind of happens. Grace Rigsby from volleyball. I think you and I have talked and shilled for volleyball hard enough that our listeners probably know about that. But uh, mm-hmm. run to the NIVC. Um, hang the banner. Um, it's time. They, that that was an amazing run, and she was uh, a big part of the rotation the last couple of years. Um, let's see what else do we got. Uh, nobody from baseball graduated, which was a little weird. Nobody from basketball. Um, women's basketball, you know, another, another great team with a lot of potential the last couple of years. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I get everyone here. Oh yes, swimming. Um, I, I'm saving this one for last. For oh wait, no. I'm saving swimming for last. I'm doing Tyler Strafacci next. I think you and I both know um, just how important he and uh, his cohorts have been to this golf program. They've won, I believe, three straight ACC titles. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, they were they were, if not the odds-on favorite to win it all last year, pretty darn close uh, with the reigning U.S. Amateur champ Andy Ogletree, who's now a very successful pro and the guy who would go on to be this year's U.S. Amateur champ, uh, Tyler. Um, great job. You you brought a lot of I, – I don't know. That was the first time seeing him win was the first time we had seen Georgia Tech in action since Georgia Tech baseball uh, recorded the final out in, in Auburn, you know, for that for that win back in March. And just – Real that, weird. It real, was, real weird that I was watching golf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me too. I, I, I play golf now. This is, this is a weird world we live in now. But – um. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Um, yes, I will. I will wrap it up. But no, Tyler, bringing bringing Georgia Tech sports back. Um, I'm sorry that you and Andy never got the, the chance to make a run at the end of the year, but uh, did some great things on the flats. Um, and I hope you turn pro because I will be watching you the whole way. Last story: uh, swimming and diving. Um, Georgia Tech men's swimming is a top 25 program. Uh, they are uh, perhaps poised to be even better this year and uh hopefully next year but uh losing some some big names off of that but the one i want to shout out actually comes from women's swimming and uh we we don't shout them out enough but this one is because i think uh a couple of their athletes really represent what it means to be the the what todd stansbury talks about and being like the leaders of tomorrow we at georgia tech create the leaders who will shape the world and these are girls and the guys who are engineers, who are scientists, who are CS majors, um, and in particular, Tamir uh, Gonin-Cohen, who also just wrote a novel on top of being a, a mechanical engineering uh, bachelor's and master's student. Um, and an athlete. And an athlete coming back from horrible leg injury, trying to compete again for tech. That These these are the stories that, that make Georgia Tech special. And I think a lot of it that gets lost in the gosh, football went three and nine. Gosh, uh, 
Ron Bell, you know, like th- those aren't those aren't <laughs> don't <laughs> can't those aren't what make Georgia Tech special, right? Like, like you get lost in recruiting and, and stars and and numbers and and even the finances. Shout out Edge Building Finance. Oh boy, love that. Um, but still, th- these these people are our peers and role models, and they're going to do great things. And not everybody is a is even a Tobias Oliver. Not everybody's going to be Jeff Sims, but these not even nameless, faceless, but the the ones, the ones who, I don't know, I don't want to be put it down, but the ones who don't get the spotlight, um, they do great things too, and, and they really represent what it makes me proud to cover as a, as a Georgia Tech writer and and proud to be as a Georgia Tech uh, student and and somebody who who looks up to these people as my peers. So. You know, it's it's a hard road, and you know they got out. You and I got out, and maybe we'll both do it again someday. But it it they they do great things. So, last thing I want to say is I think one of the parts of college athletics that we forget is that, um, like you said, like these are our peers. These are these are students. These are students too. These are people too. And I think that sort of gets lost in the mix. Um, and you see it a lot on social media you know, reminder, never go on social media um, where we sort of just think of them as, as automaton, uh, auto automatons words um, that, uh, that just sort of wear the crest and, and prance around, but that, you know, they're, they're on their own people. They have their own accomplishments and we should celebrate them for that. And, you know, congrats to everyone that got out. Um, Mr. Grant, uh, I hear uh, you have some, uh, you have some finals bookkeeping to take care of with the rest of your night. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm wrapping some stuff up. Hopefully, hopefully things shook out well for dear old Jake. But uh, and for you to get out a second time is the you know the segue that I wanted to make, but wasn't intelligent enough to. I mean, I'm not about to toot my own horn here. These people are way more way more impressive than me. But um, I need I need a good segue to to end on here. Just just give me this. Uh, well. Hopefully, hopefully we have some good news for you guys in in the coming weeks with uh, with some stuff we're working on. It's uh, a wonderful time of year, and uh, from the Rumble seat is proud that you make uh, at least a little part of your day uh, with us. So thanks for sticking around, and uh, yeah, it's it's the holiday season, I guess. I don't know. Go go enjoy your breaks, y'all. <laughs> Listeners, thank you again for listening. Uh, And we will talk to you again very soon. Stay safe. Have fun.